I'm Matt Gary Fisher, and this is the Burn From Within show. Each week, I interview inspiring people who have changed their career or life to light up inside. So if you want to get excited about your Mondays, work on meaningful projects, and have more time for the passions and people that matter to you, stay tuned. On this week's episode, I have Sarah Gregg, a psychologist, coach and author of two highly practical books, Find Your Flow and her upcoming book, Choose Happy, which is being released in May next month. We talk about the science behind gratitude, what rules and routines can create flow in your workday and how you can actually make decisions to be happier. The full show notes and videos of other interviews are available at burnfromwithin.com forward slash interviews so listen all the way through and enjoy your brand is called the power to reinvent and burn from within is really about career change it's about redefining your life essentially what your brand's name is the power to reinvent where did that uh, name come from sarah and uh, how have you reinvented yourself yeah Great question. A lovely kind of start to the interview, I think, to put a bit of context around it. So the party reinvent was really born out of my own personal journey that at 33, nearly 34 years old, married and for a couple of years, three bedroom house in the Cotswolds, looked like I had life all figured out. That was the point when I decided that it wasn't working, that things just didn't feel right. So life looked good on paper. And I think if you were to go back to friends and family at that stage, they would say that there wasn't a problem. But inside something felt off. It just didn't feel right. I felt unfulfilled and disconnected from myself. And so I went on a bit of a journey of reinvention. And that's where the name came from. However, it has evolved in a big way because I think the biggest aha moment of my whole journey to date has been that I don't need to change myself, that actually it's the rules of happiness and success that need to be reinvented. And when I look back, I can see how the rules that I followed generated the results that I got in my life. So rules and results are always reflected. So the rules that I lived by, for example, was I'll be happy once I, once I lose the weight, once I get that job promotion, once I earn this figure, once I buy that car, have that object. So because of that rule, I'll be happy when that automatically dictates that I'm not happy now and I can't allow myself to be happy now. So that was my life. It was a constant pursuit of happiness, always on the go, always searching for more, always trying to fix myself and be better and improve. And actually what this journey has taught me is it's brought me back to the wholeness that we have everything that we need to be happy, to be successful, that we can have happiness and success as part of the journey. But a huge part of going on that journey to reinvent yourself heavily involves reinventing the rules that you allow yourself to live by. Even small things in my life, I used to think if you said no to people 
that that made you a bad person. So of course, if that's the rules that I live by, the result is that I have no boundaries and I'm a people pleaser and my diary is filled with other people's priorities and not my own. So bringing that awareness to not only what I want and who I really was, but also how the rules that I was living by were restricting me from experiencing that reality that I wanted to have. And so you took some time out, you were working like training businesses, I think, high growth businesses. Talk me through that stage in your life, between the corporate world of being very busy with lots of meetings and all sorts of priorities. And then you actually took some time out. How was that decision made? And how did you start to reinvent and start Mm -hmm. redeveloping these routines, these rules to actually find yourself again and, and be happy? Yeah. So my job was with a big university in the UK. I worked as a business coach. It was really my dream job. Um, I worked with high growth businesses, startups, and did some consulting work with the European Commission. And it really was my dream job. My background's in psychology. I'm a psychologist, member of the British Psychological Society, NLP practitioner. And my dream was to work with corporates in a really fast paced, innovative environment, which was everything that I had. And the job necessarily wasn't the problem. It was all the behaviors that had made me successful up until that point. Business was my, it was like a drug. It made me feel alive and great. I loved nothing more than to be frantically running into a meeting with my folders piled up high, jumping into the car to race off. Oh, can't book you in because my diary is so full. It made me feel important. That's what busyness did for me. It gave me, it was like a status symbol and I loved it. But the price that I paid for that was I lost myself and life was always on the go. And I rarely took moments to actually sink in and enjoy happiness. And I remember in work, they offered mindfulness classes. And I remember going to this mindfulness class and it was like my worst nightmare. Sitting alone with my thoughts for 10 minutes, I had to leave. I just, I couldn't stand it. And it was great until it wasn't. That's the only way I can describe it. It was great until it wasn't. And things started to happen in my life. I think circumstances arise and I think it starts off, the universe gives you a little whisper that things are off and then eventually it turns into a roar or a scream. And that was very much my journey. And I started to really become more aware that I didn't really know who I was and I didn't really know what I liked to do or what I enjoyed. And I wasn't really sure if I was enjoying my life And I felt really confused. I remember going to a motivational seminar and the lady who was running it said, okay, now write down three things that you love to do just for you. And I sat with this notebook in front of me going, I I really don't, I really don't know. And as I watched this kind of arena full of people scribbling down and filling up the page, I wrote down the three imaginary hobbies that I had on my CV from I was 16, which was like reading, writing and swimming. That's all that I could think of. And it was in in that moment and various other moments that I had the realization, 
I guess that I was living the life that I should lead, the one that was expected for me, the blueprint that I had followed since school, get your qualifications, get the job, get some other form of training, get the promotion, get another promotion and work your way through life. And actually that, that didn't, that wasn't working for me and I wasn't happy, but the void comes when you don't know, you know, that's not making you happy, but the question is what does yeah, I remember reading that in, in, in your book, Find Your Flow, and that question, can you name three activities you like to do in your leisure time? This is about what you do for no other reason than activities reason. That, that make you happy and give you a sense of purpose. And I think, to be honest, a lot of people that would be asked that question might not be able to answer that truthfully. It, it, the, the answers would be what they should write like oh i should Mm -hmm. probably write reading and maybe something to do with personal development there's we had this discussion of self-help but the the whole concept the presupposition of the industry of self-help of personal development of self-improvement is on the notion that you are there to be fixed and you are there to be improved because if you don't improve then there's something wrong with you and what i love about your book in particular is stripping that all away and just Mm -hmm. focusing on within you and what is actually the essence of you and what makes you happy forget about society forget about what work tells you to do obviously you've got to do these things you call them I think high value priorities is that right in your book yeah that's right yeah and it's important to schedule those things and we'll we'll talk about that uh, in a minute but this whole concept of actually like you you can be happy just being you and what I love about Find Your Flow, your book, is that there, there is actually a structured approach behind Finding Flow and also being happy without following other people's expectations just to be busy. One exercise that you talk about early on in the book and a concept, actually, that a lot of people talk about, but many people are resistant to doing, is practicing gratitude. What's the significance of that maybe from a scientific point of view Mm -hmm. and also if you don't bother to do it and don't make it like a routine does that matter and if so why love it gratitude was one of the first steps of my own journey was to be grateful in the now and to notice the small things that made me happy and I get the resistance because I was resistant you feel like a bit of a fraud it's just something else to do on your list okay I'm grateful for the sun but you don't necessarily feel that gratitude because you're so disconnected from allowing yourself to feel happy so I think if you feel that resistance one it's completely and utterly normal And I think to release the resistance, it's to get behind the intention of why you're practicing the gratitude. It is not to make you a better person. It is not to fix your broken life. It's so that you can experience the small moments of joy and remind yourself that happiness exists in every single day. Even if it is the small things like your cup of coffee, a family member, a nice chat with a friend, what it does is it draws your awareness into the fact that happiness exists now and it's fully accessible to you. 
And I think we struggle with it because we treat it as something else to do on our list. I practice gratitude now. So does that mean that I'm fixed? Does that automatically make me a happy person? Rather than viewing it as a tool to improve your experience of life. And that's what gratitude does. So from a psychology point of view, when we practice gratitude first thing in the morning, we um, cultivate our morning mood. So morning moods are proven to be very fragile. You've got to be careful with how you start your day. That's how the saying got out of the wrong side of the bed. That's where it comes from, because from a psychology perspective, you know, how you wake up in the first 10 minutes of your morning can actually impact the entire emotional trajectory of your day. So there's a study that I cite in the book about, you know, two groups of people, one that watches just three minutes of negative news first thing in the morning and another group that watches three minutes of solution focused news first thing in the morning and actually the group that watched just three minutes of negative news which let's face it is pretty easy to come by first thing in the morning you don't necessarily have to go look for it were statistically 27% more likely to report being in a bad mood at the end of the day so eight hours later what gratitude does is it takes back control of your mood and your emotional state. So it reminds you and teaches you to experience that happiness is something that you can control to a certain extent. It rewires and restructures your brain. It's going to give you a lovely hit of dopamine first thing in the morning. It's proven to reduce inflammation in the body because your body is in a more relaxed state. It improves relationships with other people. It's proven to help uh, boost your immune system and your sleep, all from just writing down three things that you're grateful for. So again, if you're resistant to it, I totally get it. It can feel a little bit cheesy and a little bit false almost to start off with but remember why you're doing it you're not doing it to fix yourself or because you're an ungrateful person you're doing it to improve your experience of life you deserve to feel elements of joy and happiness each day you deserve that when you wake up in the morning that you're stacking the odds in your favor that you're going to be in a good mood at the end of the day now if you can take those elements and bring them back inside of your control then you all of a sudden become the person that has helped directing and control their experience of life yeah yeah and I, I, what I really love about the book is it, like each chapter, each, each section really talks about the science behind each concept of, of finding flow. For example, mm-hmm. gratitude. And you just shared there about where gratitude comes from, from a scientific perspective and, and why it's important. And then you beautifully have this really super simple, practical three steps, like or four, four mm-hmm. steps of what you can do to practice gratitude and and all these other like really simple but like useful methodologies of finding flow one of the things that you talked about in in your book is the concept of and the significance of goals of setting goals and also making sure that the the tasks and goals that you set are, are challenging enough now a lot mm-hmm. of people and maybe you were included in this when you're in in the corporate world that they don't set goals, personal goals. It, it's They've got a lot of things to do at work and that's their focus. And yeah. they, they don't necessarily have, they don't set aside the time to be consciously aware of what they want and personal goals. How, how significant is setting goals for your life? And how do you know if 
that goal is challenging enough or not challenging enough. Yeah. So in terms of setting goals for your life, it's not necessarily about the achievement of the goal, but goals just make life more interesting. It opens up the possibilities. So you begin to wonder and get curious about what if I could do this? What would that be like? What if I could experience this? My goal was to become an author. I really wanted to write a book and never in a million years did I think that would ever happen like ever and if it did it would probably be like 20 years down the track but when you set a goal and you align and you take small actions that are in align with that goal then circumstances begin to align with you and life becomes more interesting thoughts feelings actions and emotions begin to move into this congruent alignment so you just feel more at peace with yourself so the opposite when we don't have a goal is we're often in a state of resistance where we're trying to figure out in our heads what it is that we want to do and that wastes a lot of time so one part of you you know might want to go work out in the gym and another part of you really just wants to put on Netflix and stick their feet up, you know, on the sofa. And when we're in that resistance, we've got two conflicting parts that are at war with each other, that feeling. You're neither enjoying the Netflix show, nor are you at the gym. You're lost in this in-between land. And that's really what we experience a lot of in life. I know that I should journal because it will make me feel better and help me in life but I also can't be bothered and so I wrestle with myself and I don't do either what a goal does is it helps direct and focus our energies and attention so we tell our brains this is what matters and our brain naturally then orders the information feelings and emotions to be in alignment with that and that's what makes us feel good and elicit flow The second part of the question is a really challenging one, which is how do I know what the level of challenge is right for me? And that's really when we need to get more out of the thinking brain and drop more into our bodies and just recognize what the feelings and sensations are. Now, for me, when I first started, that was really challenging because I lived very much in my mind and didn't really know how I felt within my body. But the more you pay attention to that, so for example, if the goal is too challenging and it's moving you into anxiety, so you might notice that you are feeling overwhelmed, that your body's a little bit tense and tight, that you're worrying and you're struggling to focus your attention, they would all be indicators that maybe you need to drop the level of challenge down. Now, the great thing about being a human being is we don't actually have to necessarily drop it down and take action. You can play about with that mentally in your head because the brain doesn't understand the difference between imagination and reality. So then visualize for a moment, okay, what if I took a smaller step? What does that look like? And then how is my body responding to that? Oh, you might notice your shoulders drop down. You feel a bit more relaxed. Equally, if the goal is too easy, and you're not doing anything because we all have those goals, right? The one email that we need to send that somehow we don't, we could have done it on Monday, but somehow we left it to the Friday just because it's easy. We've sunk into boredom and disinterest in a way. If you notice in that, then it's how do I make that level of challenge a little bit greater so that it's more exciting and more engaging. And in flow, it's the sweet spot that lies in the middle. It's like the Goldilocks zone. 
it's not so hard that it pulls us up into anxiety and not so easy that it causes us to be disinterested. Rather, the level of challenge is just right. The skills to challenge ratio is right. You probably can do it, but it's going to stretch your ability. And that's how we grow as individuals. We grow down into the depths of ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I guess the concept of just being consciously aware of our feelings, our emotions when we're doing a task, when we're progressing in, in a goal um, and checking in with that, like regularly checking mm-hmm. in. Oh, I do it sometimes through through journaling or even just talking to people like oh, that. That was quite stressful, that task just then. And I know I was going towards my goal, but wow, that was quite hard. Just regularly, it's like stock taking of mm-hmm. how you're feeling, like the level of challenge you're at and, and, and adjusting accordingly. There are tasks that everyone does to some extent in their day that might be stressful, that might be annoying, mm-hmm. that they have to do because of work or because of having kids or, or whatever they, they do. And you talk about in your book about acceptance of, mm-hmm. of these kind of tasks Tell me a little bit about how can people accept those tasks and also even make them more enjoyable by how they think about them. And also one follow up question from that is what is the effect of doing that on you? Yeah. So if we bring it to life with a bit of an example in every day, I'll use one from my everyday, something that I absolutely loathe, which is anything to do with admin, taxes, spreadsheets. Absolutely cannot stand it. I hate it. I really don't like it. But my I have ears to are do pricked it, up. Like I'm, I'm the same as you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand it. And when I approach that task in ordinary kind of circumstances, I would have often approached it with resistance. So I will sit at that laptop, know that I have to do it, but the internal dialogue in my head is, I don't want to do this. This is terrible. I hate this. Why am I so bad at this? And it's almost like shooting a second arrow in yourself. The task is already not enjoyable, but you're continually like stabbing yourself with this second arrow, making it even less enjoyable. When we come from a place of acceptance, it's just a non-judgmental place. I don't like the task that I'm doing and that's okay. Life is messy and complicated. You're not necessarily going to love everything that you do, but you don't have to punish yourself for the things that you don't love to do and make it even harder than what it is. So what acceptance does is it just stops the war with what is. It stops the war with the present moment. So rather than wrestling with that spreadsheet, and hating every second of it and getting frustrated at myself and at other people and slamming the computer down. I just accept it. It just is. I have to do my taxes at this moment in time. That's my job to do. How can I take the weight out of this task in some way? So for example, we know that if we play about with the level of challenge and flow, that it can make it a little bit more enjoyable. So sometimes with inputting things into an Excel spreadsheet, I'll set myself a little time challenge. How many things can I input in a couple of minutes and then see if I can beat it. And then all of a sudden the task becomes a bit more enjoyable or I'll set myself up in a really nice environment. I'll make a nice pot of coffee I'll put a little chocolate bar at the side. I'll play some nice music in the background. And because I'm just accepting it, all of a sudden then my energies are directed more towards how do I make this more pleasurable for myself 
rather than how can I hate every moment of this and then carry that frustration around with me for the rest of the day. Yeah, I, I actually did this the other day. I um, do some freelance copywriting and, and there's mm. certain clients uh, that, that, give, that give me work and some of the work I don't enjoy as much. And before I used to be doing the work and it actually took me a lot longer to do because I was my narrative in my head was I hate this I don't want to do this I was trying to procrastinate as much as possible to not do that work and actually because of that because I didn't have the acceptance of oh I don't know if I enjoy this I don't really enjoy this that much because I didn't have that acceptance I couldn't let go of it there was so much energy going into resistance that it was a distraction from actually doing the task Mm-hmm. and the the quality of the work was, was not as good yeah and now I approach it by like you said setting up my environment like knowing that task is a little bit more challenging setting up my environment more favorably like mm-hmm. listening to certain music that really gets me in a mood and scheduling a break in between to talk to a friend and get me in a good mood and start laughing yeah. about what I've written and things like that and it really helps it like not only kind of productivity happiness quality of work and but I never actually thought about the concept being because of acceptance and I haven't I I don't do this regularly it's it's probably something that I think about doing occasionally and Mm -hmm. after reading your book I, 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 I really made a mental imprint of wow acceptance how can I schedule acceptance for these kind of tasks because it really makes a difference it makes a difference to productivity and I guess my my follow-up question to that would be if you are you know a manager or 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 a leader how can you motivate your staff to be able to find that flow for those difficult tasks Mm, yeah that's a really great question I think sometimes it's bringing into your awareness that there's a different choice so having conversations like this for example there will be some people that it it is so simple it's like oh yeah of course I could make it easy for myself but sometimes we don't think like that we think we've got to struggle through the tasks that we don't like and we're like martyrs to the chore so sometimes with employees it's as simple as understanding and bringing into their awareness that they could make it a little bit easier, but also working with the different strengths of your team. So if there is a member of the team who I have, my husband loves a spreadsheet, like he loves them. I can't stand them. He loves, yeah, that's his thing, making formulas. If you have a member of your team that you can outsource that to, and that's going to elicit flow for them, then work with the dynamics of the team. Understand how you can maybe ask that person, okay, you love presentations. This guy hates it. Can you just trade over? How about you input the expenses and you take over the presentation? And then that way, each kind of person gets to feel more of their flow and gets to use their own unique strengths. But I think the key with all these like activities that we're talking about is It's showing yourself that you deserve to be happy, that you're worthy of happiness and that you don't have to work for it. It's not a reward of your actions. It's not, I struggle through the spreadsheet and that somehow makes me a good person and I'll be rewarded for my actions. Or it's about showing yourself that you can design and structure your day in a way that is likely to increase the levels of happiness and flow and success that you feel as opposed to feeling like you've got to just keep 
going full pelt and struggling through life. And hopefully at some stage you'll be able to relax and slow down and you'll arrive and it will all pay off. I think these are the gentle reminders that happiness is here and you can create an environment that makes it more inviting for happiness to show up. Yeah, yeah. I one of my first guests on the show, his name's Seth Terry, he wrote a book called 100 Things. And it, he, he basically set a challenge of doing 100 things that he wanted to do before he died uh, and travel the world in doing them. And crazy story, he ended up getting offered a, a TV series by ESPN. He's from Australia. So he moved to America, did a TV series, got a book deal, and it changed his life. And he started a movement. And when I interviewed him, one of the most powerful things that he said to me, and I keep thinking about it almost every day, is, Matt, you can decide to be happy. You can decide to be happy. And that kind of really hit me because we make decisions every single day about stuff that we don't care about and things that other people expect of us. Mm-hmm. But that concept, you can decide to be happy and increase your level of happiness yourself. You can choose activities and things to do and structure your time in order to be happy. And that brings us on to like your next book. Your book is mm-hmm. called Choose Happy, right? Yeah. Choose yeah. Happy. So where did that concept um, come from to actually write an entire book on that? And I haven't read the book because it's not even out yet, um, cut out yet. And I'm very excited. When is it? Do you know, is there a kind of date? It should be the 4th of May, I think. Awesome. The 4th of May this year. Yeah, 2021. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You've got a sale from me for sure. Well, so what made you decide to write an entire book called Choose Happy? And what does it give people? Yeah, first of all, I think Choose Happy Either some people will love the title or some people will hate it. So let me clarify exactly what I mean by choose happy because I don't know about you, but there is nothing more frustrating than when you're having a bad day of someone telling you to smile and you're just like, oh, I want to say a curse word, but I'm not going to. But let's just say (laughs) go away. We politely in our heads mentally say go away. And so you can feel a bit like that when you're feeling down and someone goes, but you can just choose to be happy. You can just decide. And you're like, really, can I? But the reality is we can. And happiness is maybe just a few choices away. So it's not necessarily going to be that instant flick of a switch. So when we talk about choosing happy, really, it's trying to find strategies and choices that will edge us closer to happiness and ease some of the crazy frustration that we feel in our everyday life. So that's what Choose Happy is about. It's about showing us that negative emotions aren't bad. They exist for a reason. Evolutionary psychologists know and study that we feel fear and anger and sadness because they can help us see the areas that aren't working in our lives or things that we maybe need to adjust and change. They can be a really good clarifying force that can jolt us into action. So choose happy comes from a place that no emotion is good or bad. And actually negative emotions have their role. But there comes a point when we spend too long with those negative emotions and we begin to ruminate and begin to become immersed in the problem. So Choose Happy is about edging ourselves towards happiness, about recognizing why is fear there? Why is anger there? Why is comparison there? Uncertainty. And then 
how do we understand that emotion a little bit better and how do we choose and reach for a happier choice so in the book i designed a little i love models simple models as simple as i can make some of the psychology theory the better so it's called the happiness ladder and if you imagine when you're in like the dark pit of emotions and you're just having a crappy day, if you imagine happiness more like a ladder, first rung of the ladder, you'll just recognize your emotions. I feel sad rather than I feel sad about feeling sad. It's just accepting. This is how I feel. This is what's going on. What is this emotion trying to tell me? And then when you understand that a little bit more, it's about reaching then for a more empowering choice. And then responding with that action. So at each kind of rung of the ladder, you're working yourself out of that pit of emotions. But it is a choice and we don't have to struggle through life and we can ease our own, our own mental moods and well-being through the choices that we have. So aligning your choices with the way that you want to feel and the way you want to experience life increases that control and it actually gives you control back often we're in the pursuit of happiness so we're taping belongings and status symbols to our skin hoping that will make us feel enough rather than regaining that inner control to always know that you're in control of your happiness even in the darkest times happiness might just show up like a little flicker like a little glimmer of hope that will keep you going that still is happiness it's a form of happiness so yeah choose happy is about how tiny changes in our choices can create happier results yeah and you talked about recognizing emotions and and actually like emotions are there they are our body's signals a lot of the time to do something different it's hey i have this emotion this emotion's bubbling up it's your body saying Matt, come on, there's something up here, like start to interpret this message in in whatever way you can. And like certainly with career change, like, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of clients I have and and people I've interviewed on the show, they have a wave of negative emotions often for Mm -hmm. a while. And it's until they start to take stock and reflect on those emotions and and interpret them actually and and try and figure out where they're from and what it's trying to tell you one of the best pieces of advice I got from a coach was how to interpret an emotion. And and the question to ask is what do you need to believe in order to feel this way? So if you're Mm -hmm. feeling anxious about something, it might be to do with your, your job or your boss, for example. And if you just, a lot of people just ignore their emotions by downing a glass of red wine at the end of a stressful day or they just can't quite put their finger on why they're unhappy or or have any other kind of negative emotion and they'll just get a lot of people get busy as well they'll just get busy with work or do untold number of negative behaviors and it's or or positive behaviors but to to too much an extent like in excess how with emotions for example is there a way to track emotions or plan so that your emotions gradually get more positive and you can become happier like how like is that possible yes it is possible i can share a little kind of insight on it i think what's important to remember is we're just working with different parts of ourselves and every behavior has a positive intention so i think when we understand that we become less fearful of ourselves so when i know 
I'm frightened of maybe leaving my job because I don't know what's on the other side, but I feel this pull or this call to. Fear is not a bad emotion. It's just trying to keep you safe. So your job is to maybe listen to that part, but then bring a different part forward. Bring courage and self-belief forward. Bring your resourcefulness forward and let them form a team. And actually that's where your wholeness and like beauty comes through. In the journal system for flow, one way that I use it is to really work with those parts and bring forward the emotional states that I want to feel. And that's through scripting. So there's a part of the journal system called total flow. It's based on imagery scripting, a technique used by elite athletes to enhance their performance and their sense of flow. And really what you're doing is you're training your attention to what you will see, hear and feel throughout the day. So if I'm giving a presentation, for example, or I'm running a workshop and I want to feel a certain way, I will script that. I will say, I feel really confident as I approach that task and I hear my voice is strong and it's assertive and I notice how the room responds and their heads nod and I feel really happy with how that workshop went. I notice how I take the time to feel proud of myself and how I say to myself internally, you did a really great job. Now, how I'm using that script is to train my emotions, but also to activate my internal reward system, because often we are, I'll put myself in this category, I am like a gold star junkie. I love nothing more than somebody telling me that I did a good job, all about that praise. But that's to my own detriment, because nothing anybody says is ever enough. I want more. So by scripting in those emotions, by scripting in that reward system, I train my brain to focus more on those feelings. And equally, if that doesn't happen, there's no guarantee, then I know I've gone off track a little bit. I know that maybe I maybe read the room wrong in some way or the presentation like wasn't as good. And I can take that feedback and improve it. But scripting is a really good way for you to work with your emotions rather than against them. Yeah, I actually read a book and I can't quite remember who wrote it or what the, the title was, but it was a coach, a tennis coach. Um, and he coached all sorts of like really elite um, athletes and business people as well. And he talked about an inner voice mm -hmm. or a, a, like a, the quiet voice where how you speak to yourself in activities really affects your performance and yeah. your happiness and all that kind of stuff and like with tennis in particular to get play players will do double faults and players will lose points and that is predictable that will mm -hmm. happen and by being able to have a pattern and a script to prepare in your head so that when that does happen rather than saying oh you're why have you got another double fault you absolute yeah. idiot you you are prepared for that and you say Matt, don't worry, that's a double fault because you're going to nail it next time. Or exactly. You've done many aces in your career, so let the next one will be an ace. And it's that script that is un it happens unconsciously, but yeah. by being able to actually prepare for a lot of situations in life are going to happen. There are repeatable scenarios at work, with, with family, with loved ones. It's being able to mentally rehearse that and say what you're going to say about it and see what you want to see can make a huge difference. And, and personally, when I read that in your book, it, it reminded me of that concept. And yeah. I don't do that enough. I really don't start scripting out things. What do you think people would be most useful for people to 
script out for their everyday life. I just talked about tennis and double faults being examples yeah. in the tennis world, but in everyday life, maybe for people that are going to work or I guess have a, an ordinary job and an average life or an average day, yeah. what, what like certain things do you think scripting could be useful for? So what scripting does is because your brain then knows what to anticipate for the day ahead, you relax into your day. That's what enables flow to happen because your brain already knows the how you anticipate the day to go. And so it begins to align with that. So there's a couple of like really good kind of like tips I can give. Number one, if you have an unwanted habit or behavior that you're trying to overcome, let's say, for example, you tend to leave the house to go to work a little bit late and you're like in your car with your coffee and you're frustrated and you always seem to run into the office all over the place or if you're working at home as many of us are now and you climb out of your bed at the last minute when you, you, you rush and you don't like that part like that part of you is there but you don't like it you can use scripting for example when you get up in the morning to write I know that sometimes I can leave things a little bit too late in the morning and I recognize that this causes me frustration. So today I see myself just take an extra five minutes to get ready. I notice how I check the time and I notice how I'm very mindful and patient as I move throughout my day. Now, what you're doing there is you're not setting unrealistic expectations. It's not that you're scripting in, I get up at 5 a.m. and I do my yoga and I have a green juice and everything's amazing. When we go back to that level of challenge, that's too much of a stretch. If you're rolling out of bed and rushing off to work, it's too much of a stretch. It's too challenging to say you're going to move from that to that. So you're working with the different parts of yourself through the script and then your brain moves into alignment. It gets all the different parts of you on the same page because you've recognized, back to that recognize the feeling, I recognize that part of me is like that. However, today I notice myself do this other different thing. And what amazes me and the readers of the book, because this is the one section of the book I get so many messages on, is at the end of the day, when you come back and you read what you have scripted, how much your day actually went in that flow without you realizing. So I'll script my day each day and I don't really think about it afterwards until I do my nighttime reflection and I'll read back through what I've done. And 80% of the time, my day has followed in that order in some way. And it's just really interesting. So script unwanted habits, script how you want to feel, Often we think about the things that we want to do. So we're like a to-do list. I need to do the taxes. I need to get the shopping. I need to pick up the kids. I need to submit that client proposal. But we don't ask ourselves, how do I want to feel in that experience? Because that's how you experience your day, not by ticking it off. It's how you feel in that experience. So tapping into that and thinking, okay, when I do the taxes, I want to feel acceptance and I want to set up a nice environment, just like we talked about. When I submit that client proposal, I want to feel confident and excited about what that could bring back. And then all of a sudden you're integrating this wholeness into your day and it becomes much more about being a slave to your to-do list and ticking everything off and then falling into your bed at night and more about how you want to feel and experience your day. What emotions do you want to elicit? What feelings do you want to have and tapping more into that? Oh, I absolutely love that. I love 
tapping into your emotions and 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 feelings about something in the future and and actually mm-hmm. that actually shapes your future that shapes your destiny yeah. you're doing that which is incredible Sarah you've gone through quite a transition you've reinvented yourself and, mm-hmm. and actually had this amazing journey to discover how you find your own flow and now you're helping others what would you say now your purpose is in life and how do you think that's different from maybe a few years ago before you reinvented yourself and started the power to reinvent yeah i think my personal purpose as opposed to anything business related is to fulfill my potential and to have an adventure that's all and i don't necessarily know how that's going to look but what i love about life now is the joy of experiencing it I'm no longer on this journey that I have to do this and I need to reach that milestone and it's got to look that way. The joy is like in my personal life and kind of professional life is creating things, is having the joy in the experience of each day, is going and following these little threads of adventures and opportunities that arise rather than feeling like I have to have all the answers and just aligning with things that bring me joy. And the more I do that and allow myself to feel worthy to do that and to actually say I don't enjoy that thing so you know what you don't get to be part of my human experience you're out (laughs) all the things that I love you're in let's just go and see where it can bring us that that if I can keep that I'm well aware that there's still patterns of behavior at play in my own life that can sabotage that I totally know that I do not claim to have life figured out but the more I can stay true to that and align with the things that make me happy align with the things that enable me to be who I really am as opposed to who I should be then the more I can just enjoy the adventure that is life so that's my personal purpose beautiful absolutely love that where can people get in touch with you Sarah connect with you get your books and do you offer any workshops or uh, company coaching or anything like that? Yeah. So you can find more about the business offers. I offer workshops and coaching and I'm just about to have an online course come out in a couple of weeks. So you can find more about that at the website, thepowertoreinvent.com. That's P-O-W-E-R to reinvent.com. And um, the Instagram handle is the same. Instagram is the best and easiest place to find me. So it's at the part of reinvent. And you can find information about the books on the website, but they're called Find Your Flow or Choose Happy. And they both have their own little websites because they're so special. So it's choosehappythebook.com and findyourflowthebook.com. And I'll include all of those uh, links in today's show notes as well. My final question, Sarah. Now, I definitely see you as someone that that is living with passion. You're very passionate about what you do. You just described your purpose. And and actually, we're quite clear about that as well and confident in that. And you have a really great balance in life. You've been traveling the world, similar circuit to me. You're about to go to, I think, Taiwan. It's incredible, like living this sense of adventure, which is part of your purpose. So I would say you're passionate, you're purposeful, and you're living with balance. I call that those three things to burn from within. What's the Mm. one thing that's made the biggest difference to you, Sarah, to burn from within? Permission to allow myself to do it and the courage to do it. I think so many of us feel that burn from within 
but we're worried about what will people say? What does that mean? How will it impact relationships? And actually to burn from within just means giving yourself permission to follow that passion, not necessarily have all the answers to know where exactly it's going to bring you, but to just release and let go and just follow it. Yeah, permission, that, that word has come up in, uh, numerous times mm. with guests and, and actually just knowing that you do have permission. Like, yeah. permission is granted and, and it's yours to go for it and, and, and make decisions around that, around purpose and around passion yeah. is, is so important. And, and what I love about your book is that there are bite-sized exercises and small little steps that you can do each day to get conscious about what makes you passionate and what what you enjoy and what brings you into flow and just doing these small things every day it, it can lead to, to huge sparks and to be able to burn from within to actually live a life that you love and and yeah. be happy sarah thank you so much for an awesome so conversation much. and I, I, let's keep in touch and yeah that was a, that was yeah. a great interview Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So awesome having Sarah on the show. She's truly burning from within and had a tremendous transformation herself after that realisation that she was living the life expected of her in the motivational seminar just a few years ago. You can connect with her directly on Instagram at The Power To Reinvent uh, and also the links to both her books, Find Your Flow and Choose Happy uh, on her website, The Power To Reinvent. And if you enjoyed this episode, go right ahead and leave a review for this podcast by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash burn from within. That's ratethispodcast.com forward slash burn from within. And stay updated with more inspiring interviews by hitting the follow or subscribe button now on your player. Until next time, live with passion, purpose and balance and burn from within.